past few weeks. So uh, the last, uh, you know, we, we do have other instrumental players and other singers, but man, we, we get more of that guitar. You guys are going to be stuck with that job. We're, well, I'm happy with that. So uh, there was a time I tried to orchestrate uh, to have some instrumentals play in the congregational music. Wouldn't that be nice to have some extra, yeah, and uh, even just to have them sit in the front pew and to play. And so if you see some of these guys, just say, hey, you know, Pastor's got a great idea. And uh, I'm just giving them a hard time, too. But, uh, uh, you know, music uh, and those instruments really add to the music as well. Uh, the point of the music is not uh, to bring attention to the man, but to bring attention to the maker, bring attention to God. And uh, so uh, may he be glorified through all that. Uh, uh, but praise the Lord, um, uh, we are thankful for uh, the opportunity to serve together and, and to worship the Lord. How unworthy... How unworthy we are, but how worthy He is. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I'm a Christian today. Amen? And we have that hope, that peace, that, uh, that confidence of knowing that no matter what may happen on this earth, yet we will be together with God in heaven for all eternity. And uh, you may be worried or, or discouraged or frustrated or maybe just distracted, but could I encourage you today, think upon what Christ has done for us. Let that encourage you. Let that be the focus uh, one of my favorite things about the, the armor of God is the helmet of salvation. It's that very idea of encompassing our mind with the salvation of God. And all that our minds would be so focused upon what Christ has done for us, uh, that, that would change our entire way of living and every action and every, everything that would come out of us. Uh, let's pray together. Let's ask God's blessing. And you know, as I pray, once again, you ask God to speak to you. And let this be a personal prayer of your heart that God would work in your life today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Gracious Father, we thank you uh, for who you are and all that you seek to uh, do in our life and that you um, uh, do even without our asking. Lord, we're thankful for your continual blessings that you bring upon us. And Lord, I pray today that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I'm nothing in, in who I am. Uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not able in my own power. Lord, I pray that you would work in and through me, give me the unction to function, and Lord, I pray that you'd give uh, clarity of speech. Uh, may, Lord, not, may I not speak too fast without understanding, may, uh, may I not speak too high without understanding, but Lord, may it be clear uh, as you would desire for it to be, and, and uh, Lord, may the uh, application go straight to the heart today. Lord, I pray for each and every believer uh, that's here today, no matter where they may be, at stage of their life, or at circumstance that's happening in their life, Lord, may they give attention to your word today. May you encourage us, challenge us, and convict us as you would desire to do. Lord, we ask and pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I was thinking this week about some of the most beautiful uh, buildings in the world, particularly stone buildings. There's something really uh, intricate about stone buildings. They just, you know, when you think about buildings of the past and uh, how detailed they are, they just don't make those those buildings like they uh, like they used to and uh, I remember spending some time uh, over in the United Kingdom and seeing some of the some of the castles probably one of my favorites was Warwick Castle and uh, you know that's actually where Warwick uh, in that part of England is where we get Warwick Rhode Island and uh, there's quite a significant uh, castle that still stands there of course a huge tourist trap uh, but uh, the the details within those stone buildings uh, I would as I got to thinking further upon some of these buildings, and um, I just wanted to share with you a few of them that I thought very interesting when you consider the, the stone usage within each of them. Uh, the Roman Colosseum, for example, 
Uh, it said that the outer wall uh, is made up of around 3.5 million cubic feet of stone. That's a lot of stone. Or Stonehenge. Of course, there's a lot of debate about Stonehenge, but uh, the, the weight uh, of these stones is said to be somewhere near four tons of weight of stone within it. Uh, the Great Wall of China. Uh, boy, what a, what a beauty in the Great Wall of China. And uh, the, 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 it's said to be 13,000 miles long uh, with approximately 500 billion bricks that are used to, to make it up. And uh, once again, another place uh, had the opportunity to go, but seeing, those, see, seeing the, the spiral of those and the beauty of that stone structure. Um, uh, the Greek Parthenon is estimated to be uh, 13,000 stones that were used to build this structure. Uh, the Great Pyramid, 2.3 million stone blocks. Uh, the Taj Mahal, it said that 28 different types of precious and semi-precious stones were used in the construction. Uh, the most recognizable feature, I thought this interesting about the Taj Mahal, uh, is the large stone on top. And it's believed that 1,000 elephants were used to transport that stone for this particular feature uh, of that building. And, uh, you know, when we think about the beauty of buildings and, and, and what they are, um, uh, yet, in the end, they are all only but temporary. And what I want to talk to you about today is uh, considering a perfect stone structure, uh, the greatest pro project in human history in the same way, that stone structure being God himself, our rock, the master builder, and, and the building in which he's building on is the Christian life, or should we say the church. Let's turn together to 1 Peter chapter 2. I want to talk to you about God's building, the church. God's building, it is the church. And, uh, you know, we're not talking about a, um, a building of structure as we might think of in these other buildings that I just presented to you. But we're talking a building of the spiritual individual. <laughs> a building of the individual believer. And it's Peter who brings out this idea of the rock and uh, God being our rock and the building upon uh, our, our lives and all of these things. Of course, there are many passages of Scripture that speak of, uh, of um, uh, the building and, and uh, the building of our lives. The wise man who built his house upon the rock, for example, is one of them. And that proper foundation under that. This is the very idea and the context in which Peter is writing as he writes to these uh, fellow believers. And look down at verse number 4, if you would, of chapter 2. 1 Peter 2 and verse number 4. The word of God says, To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, an holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it, contained in, uh, it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Uh, it's here that we find uh, Peter describing the third of the living things. In chapter 1 and verse 23, he talks about the living hope which we have in God. In chapter 1, verse 25, he talks about the living word, the word of God. And it's in chapter 2, verse 4, now he talks about the living stone, God himself. How is it that God builds his church or builds with, uh, among his people. I want to talk to you about this, this very idea today and what Peter brings out of all of these things concerning the life of the believer. Notice verse number four. The Bible says, To whom coming, as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God 
and precious. I want you to notice with me, first of all, the foundation of the church. Remember, the church is the body of believers. The church is uh, you and I. What is the foundation that holds everything, all of us together? It's Peter who dwells upon this fact. Now, we've read the verse already, and I want you to keep your finger here in 1 Peter. And turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. It's undoubtedly uh, possible that this uh, particular instance was on Peter's mind uh, whenever he's writing these things in 1 Peter. Matthew chapter 16, and let's look together at verse number 13. The Word of God says, When Jesus came unto the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Verse 14. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood had not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Verse 18. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Bible tells us of Jesus who is the rock. He is our foundation. And yet it is on that foundation that we are to be building our lives, are letting Christ build our lives. Uh, God places, the Bible tells us, uh, these stones. Notice, uh, as the Bible says in verse number 5, ye also as lively stones. That's the believer. It's interesting when you look at uh, the relation of these, uh, these, these stones here. God is seen as that uh, living stone. But we are also to be lively stones. We are to be the same. What is it that Scripture is telling us about all these things? Well, God desires for every believer to build his life upon Christ, but notice with me first as we consider Christ himself in verse 4. The Bible tells us Christ became that living stone. He is the rock. Amen? He is uh, that, uh, that foundation for our lives. Um, in verse 6, the Bible says, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture, Behold, I lay inside a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. Now, cornerstones are uh, a lot differently used today than they would have been in Bible times, or, or particularly in this time of, of Peter's day and age. Uh, you'd see a cornerstone actually here out on the building. And that cornerstone particularly is just has a, an inscription and a writing. And uh, so in the very same way, um, uh, these, uh, we see them in other buildings today. But in Bible times, these corners, cornerstones were historically used as the first stone to set the building process. And it was through, with proper careful measurements uh, being taken and used, uh, it would ensure that uh, that it was square, and if that first cornerstone was square, then all the rest of the additional ones would be square also. And th this is what purpose that it brought in the building process. And so Peter describes Jesus as the rock, the foundation for our lives. He is the cornerstone, the one that if properly placed in our life, then everything else will be in its proper order. Think about that for a moment. How often we, we think about life as this, as this big you know, picture of something that I've got to progress towards. And yet God says, look, if you just keep me as the focus of my life, if I remain uh, the rock of your life, if you build your life upon me, if I remain the foundation of your life and the focus of your life, 
then everything else will find its proper place. It's when we start pursuing our own desires and we start building our life on other things rather than God himself uh, that we can't stand. Again, we come back to uh, the well-sung song of the wise man and the foolish man who built their houses upon the rock or the sand. What happened to the individual who built his house on the rock? Well, he stayed standing when the going got rough, when the storms came, when the winds blew, when the, when the floods came. What happened to the man who built his life on sand? Well, the principle is this, that he didn't build his life on God. You can live... Uh, uh, you can live life without the foundation of Christ under you. But I promise you, as found in Scripture, and as even experienced in my own life, you'll fail, you'll fail continually through life. You say, wait a minute. What, what about the... What, you're saying I fail at everything? No. We're talking about uh, the, the, the growth of the Christian, the, the, the spiritual growth of the Christian the change that God can bring in your life, the progression that God brings into your life, it is that that will not take place. In other words, we can't do it in our own, in our own strength, in our own ability. We need the foundation of God in our life. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't have that foundation of God in your life. It may be even as hard for you to fully understand as to what we're even talking about today in that sense of the way. But the Bible tells us as a believer, you have Christ as your foundation, it is He who you should be building your life upon. It's unfortunate that uh, we, we have the foundation of God, and yet, meanwhile, we're over here building our life on something entirely different. Yet all the stability, everything that we need, the reinforcement, the, 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 the squareness to our life, everything is found through God, and yet we can build our life in every other thing. How Peter keeps see, seeming to wring this tone out as we've looked in the book of First Peter together, uh, of, of coming back to, it's not about our lives, it's not about what we do on this earth, it's not about uh, our workplace, it's not about our occupation, it's not about uh, even the home, uh, it's all about God. And if God is who we are building our life upon in every area, it's then that we can expect God's blessing, and for that matter, it's then that God can use us. The Bible tells us that Christ became a living stone, and verse number 4 the Bible says he was disallowed indeed of men, or he was rejected of men. Peter's quoting Psalm 118, verse 22. Where the Bible says the stone with the builders refused uh, is become the headstone of the corner. And yet we understand the application to this, that it's God who invites all to come to him. Of course, not all will receive him. The Bible tells us in John 1, and verse 11, he came into his own, and his own received him not. His own received him not. That phrase that's used in 1 Peter, disallowed indeed of men, has the idea of, of looking something over and laying it aside. Uh, many of you know that um, uh, we just took a trip not long ago to Colorado. And uh, Caleb has, is at that stage of life that every rock is fascinating. You know, I've got to pick up a rock. I've got to put it in my pocket. You know, we go into a building. And there's rocks around the flower bed. I want to take the rock. No, you've got to leave the rock. We're not taking the rock in. We're going inside. You've got to leave the rock there. Well, when we went to Colorado, they had some of those, you know, polished, shiny, colored stones. You know, you can buy, put so many in a bag and pay, it's like $20, you know, and you get this little tiny bag of rocks, you know. Uh, but, uh, and uh, so, you know, this is like, like heaven for him. He's just digging through these rocks. And, uh, 
you know, every, I, I want this one, I want this one, I want this one. And sometimes he'd pick up one and he'd look it over and he'd just set it aside. And that's the whole idea, the picture that's given here that Peter's saying. is Some will look over Christ and who Christ is, they'll disallow him, they'll reject him. I wonder if maybe that's you here today. If you have considered Christ and letting him be a part of your life, but you've refused to do so. It is Peter who brings this idea out. He says, uh, he came into his own, his own received and not. He was at Livingstone. He was disallowed indeed of men. But the Bible tells us in verse 4 that he was chosen of God and precious. Isn't Jesus precious? Amen. Everything about God is precious. And uh, to every believer, he should be. He's real. He's near. And it's God's desire that we as his church would be building our lives on him. You know, oftentimes we say, boy, if, if uh, you know, we could just do the proper things and we could see our church be built and grow and, and we could see more people come. But I want you to understand this. It's not we who are to be seeking to build the church. It's God who does the building of the church. Amen? And the building that God places emphasis on is not in the numbers. In fact, it's not even in the building. It's in the spiritual life of the believer. And that's when Jesus spoke to Peter that time, in, as we read in Matthew, and he said, upon this rock, it was Peter's life that he was talking about. He says, it is your life that I desire to build upon. Because as he continues on within the passage, he says, it is you who are these lively stones. Look at verse 5. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Notice with me, secondly, the framework of the church. The framework of the church. It's interesting that, uh, that if you look at um, the names that are given of God and then those that are given to the Christian, you often find the names of God given in the singular and the names of the Christian given in the plural. Uh, for example, uh, we know God is, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and we are called the sons of God. It is God who is the light, and we are called to also be lights. It is God who is the Lamb, and that we are also pictured in Scripture as lambs. And it is here that we see God as the living stone, and it is we who are to be also lively stones. Living stone, just the same. I wonder, are you a living stone for Christ? Think about this for a moment, because the ironic thing is, is that stones aren't living, right? It's Jesus who even made reference to, uh, at one time of, of stones speaking. Stones don't speak. They don't live. They're not alive. But it's Peter who says, lively stones. I read to you again in, in Matthew 16, verse 18. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We come back to, and how could we not, about salvation itself, that when you receive salvation from God, you become a lively stone. He, uh, he is our foundation. Those stones, the word stone that Peter uses is reference to stones that have been dug out of a quarry and then shaped and cut to, fill, to fit for a builder's purpose. So here we are, we could put picture it this way, God's building project, okay? Here's God's building, the church, the lively stones. God's building a stone structure. And each one of us are an individual stone in that structure. God 
cuts us out, so to speak. He shapes us to be exactly what he desires to be in his building. I wonder, are you doing what God desires for you to do in his building? Are you being a lively stone? Are you being a lively stone? How, how often the phrase has been used, well, um, God can't use me. Or I just couldn't do that. Or, you know, uh, this is not something I've ever done before. Well, God has made you who you are. He's brought you from where you were to where you are now. He's allowed you to experience the things that you've experienced. And he's brought you now unto himself, likely here at Community Bible Church, as a believer here today. And God says, you are to be lively stones in God's building project. Let God use you. Are you letting God build your life? Are you letting Christ build, be built in your life? Or what are you building something else? The Bible tells us we are not to lay uh, treasures upon earth, but in heaven. What that idea is the very same. We're placing the proper focus. We're letting Christ build our lives, and and how do we do so? Well, we've already read it. That living scripture, the the word of God in our lives. The Bible talks about uh, that it abideth and liveth forever. Chapter 1, verse 23. The Bible tells us, Uh, that it is the word, verse 25, of the Lord that endureth forever. It is the word of God that we are to live by. We're building our life upon Christ. Christian, I wonder, what are you building your life on? You can have all the things in this earth, and the beauty maybe that even comes as a result of it. But what can be said for your building of your life for Christ? The Bible tells us, and now brings to us in, in this framework, uh, the parallels of the Old Testament. Peter's uh, brought into, um, taken into mind all of the order that there once was within the temple and the, the proper uh, purpose which each thing served. He says in verse 5, He also as lively stones are built upon a spiritual house. What is that spiritual house? Well, he's talking about as there was in the Old Testament a spiritual house, the temple or the tabernacle itself. It is we as believers who are that new temple. We are stones of the household of God. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are, Peter, or Paul calls it, fitly joined together. The Bible tells us we are the building. And it's where it was in the old temple that was temporal, yet it's in the new temple that's eternal as a result of what Christ has done for us. The Bible tells us a spiritual house. And he continues, a unholy priesthood. Once again, it was in the tabernacle uh, that you would have seen uh, that there was a priest at that time, not a priest like we would think today uh, uh, in in the sense of uh, the confession of sins, but a priest who, uh, who went and followed the order that God had given to him. It was he who was only allowed to go in to the tabernacle. It was he uh, who, uh, as the people would bring the sacrifices, he who brought order to all of these things. But it is Peter who brings out now, we have a holy priesthood. In other words, all of God's people now are priests. It was the priest in the, in the, in the Old Testament who was only able to come before God within the temple at that time. He, uh, it was only he, even at certain times, who could come to that most holy place within the tabernacle. But the Bible tells us that 
since Jesus Christ has died on the cross, that veil has been rent in twain, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? We now have a holy priesthood. We have complete access to God at any time. We ourselves are priests, Peter says. The priest had access to God. It was once limited to, a, to, the, to the tribe of Levi, but no longer. They were once the mediator, but no longer. It was once only they who could enter the temple, but no longer. The whole concept of the priest in the Old Testament centered around the presence of God, and so it does yet today, and our access to God is directly to Him. How is that so? Because of what Christ has done for us upon the cross. The Bible tells us that of the priests, that they were the ones who had access to God, but they were also the ones... Uh, and their, one of their primary functions was to offer the Old Testament sacrifices. And all in the same way how that we as believers, and the picture that's being given here, and that holy priesthood, we're to be giving spiritual sacrifices to God. We are going to be giving sacrifices to God in the sense of, God, I'm not, I'm not uh, slaying an animal and giving it to you, but God, I'm giving you my life. I'm a lively stone. I'm a living sacrifice for you. I'm letting you use me to my fullest. I'm letting, you be, uh, I'm letting my life be built on you as my foundation. That's the picture that he's giving here. The individual priesthood of every believer. That access which we had to God at any time. What a privilege, amen? How unworthy we are as a result of our sin. Remember, the Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. That is what we deserve. But through Christ's death on the cross, he made a way of salvation. And that is why today, as, not in the Old uh, as it was in the Old Testament, we no longer today have to come to a priest and come to that mediator and only he can go into the temple and only he can come to God and he is the one who does the sacrifices. No, today we do all of that ourselves. That's the holy priesthood. Amen? The Bible tells us that uh, we see the framework of the church. But notice with me, number three, the promise to the church. In verse six, Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in sign a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Notice that last phrase there. He that believeth on him shall not be confounded. We're talking about the judgment that is to come. You see, all those... Uh, stones in God's building project will escape the judgment. We don't have to worry about uh, those end times. The Bible tells us we'll escape that. But it's we as believers as lively stones that are to be uh, carrying forward the truth of that foundation of the, of the living stone, of the cornerstone of Jesus Christ himself and telling others about Christ. Notice verse 7, unto you therefore which believe he is precious. That's the believer, by the way. If you believe that God is precious today, would you say amen? Amen. The Bible tells us it's the believer. Unto you which believe he is precious. He's speaking to the Christian. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is, the, is made the head of the corner. You see, what you hold most precious can either change you or destroy you. It can either change you or destroy you. 
I, I am not one that always likes to necessarily talk about movies and things behind the pulpit. We can't help but think about with even original books that are written movies that come out. But there's a picture, and really you couldn't hardly put it better how Tolkien puts it in those Lord of the Rings books which he writes. Remember that ring and the desire which that, that character that he creates of, of Gollum and Smeagol what is that he continually keeps saying? It's precious. It's what I want. I so desire it for my life. What you consider precious can destroy you. If God is not precious in your life, and you're clinging and holding and reaching for something else, you're not going to... How can you expect God's blessing? How can you expect God to use you? How can you expect God to continue to build in your life if you're not even holding him as the most precious and valuable thing in your life. The Bible tells us in verse 4, he is the living stone. He was disallowed in need of men, but he is chosen of God. He is precious in the sight of God, so he should be precious in our sight as well. The Bible tells us there is the promise to the church, and that's that we will not face that judgment. In verse 8, he continues, in a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient. It's the Lord who becomes a rock, rather of good, but of offense, of stumbling, to those that stumble at being obedient to God's word, that aren't obedient to his word. It's true that there is, in this passage, a couple of these verses have been debated among believers, but I think that the principle is very much clear, and that is this, that there are those things which we hold precious and those things which we don't, and there is the believer that which is precious and should be God that we're building our life on. And there is the unbeliever that does not see God as precious because they're building their life on something else. That's the context. That's the idea here that Peter's bringing out. The Bible tells us in verse 8, we're unto also, verse 8, I'll read it to you again, give you context. The stone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. Some would twist this verse and even try to say, well, there are only some who are appointed and given access to go to heaven. But I say yet the, the other, and that is that those who are not believers in Christ, they already have an appointment. That's the judgment to come, eternal hell. That's, the, that's their appointment. That's their choice to receive God or not to receive him. I wonder, I come back again today, if you're here and you are not a Christian, have you chosen to receive God into your life? The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Have you chosen to put your faith and trust in him? We're not talking about a believing in God faith. We're talking about a believing that you are a sinner, God has died for you, and through his death he made a way of salvation available for you. Anybody can believe on God. But the faith which is described in Scripture is a faith in believing of what God has done and believing that He has done it for you and believing that you need Him in your life. The Bible tells us that, that of, or the greatest sin is the sin of unbelief. Our choice to not receive God into our life. To you who are Christians, I say it in Peter's words, to you that's, that God is precious to you. Let God, let your life be built upon God. Let God remain in his proper place. Be a lively stone for the Lord. 
The Bible tells us in the last point I have here of God's mercy towards the church. In verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says that ye should show forth. It should be something that come out of your life. It should be the desire of your life. It should be the focus of your life. But it is your choice whether or not you will build your life on Christ or not. You are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. What are these things? The Bible tells us that we uh, that it is God who chose by His mercy to show salvation to all. God's chosen to die upon the cross. God's chosen to love us, even though we don't deserve his love. We're a chosen generation. The Bible tells us a royal priesthood. God was uh, making uh, uh, these, the, the Jews that Peter's speaking to, he was desiring to make them his instruments to do his work. A royal priesthood. We come back to that priesthood again. We talked about the holy the holy priesthood, that royal priesthood, the same idea. It is we as God's people, that royal priesthood, we're to be do, going forward and doing the work of God. As a priest did in the tabernacle, in the temple, so we as believers are called priests. We have a holy priesthood. We are to be ministers as well. We are doing the work of the priest. We are bringing our sacrifices before God. We are, we are uh, speaking the truth of God. We are telling the, those who do not know Christ about God. This is our work as lively stones. The Bible tells us a holy nation. It's God who sets apart the Christians from the world. That word nation means people group. The word set apart uh, uh, is talking about a, once again, set apart people group. He says verse, uh, in verse uh, 9 and 10, a peculiar people. What are, why are we peculiar? The Bible says a people that we are to be a people of his own possession. That's the idea that's given there, peculiar. A people of his own possession. People are to see us as God's children. As one of God's people. As a believer in Christ. We represent Christ's lively stones. The privilege Verse 9, that ye should show forth his praises. This is why. Why are all these things given? Well, God loves us. God desires the best for us. But we should show forth his praises through all these things. He's called us out of darkness into his marvelous night. The Bible tells us, which had not, the end of verse 10, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We were once, the Bible says, in time past, not a people. We were not worthy before God. We were not acceptable before God as a result of our sin. But now, we are that chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people. So when we consider these, this stone building, this building project, God's building, the church, you and I as lively stones, the priesthood of every believer, the acknowledgement of all that God has done for us, we are that chosen generation by His mercy. He makes salvation available to all. We are peculiar people. We are to be a representation of His own possession. 
Are we building our lives upon Christ? Or are we building our lives on this world? I say to you again, and, and Peter says it a number of times, and he keeps coming back to that same reference, the whole context of this passage is, are you letting Christ build himself in your life? One of the greatest desires that I have as a pastor for this church, truthfully, is not that we would see numbers of people pouring in these doors, bursting at the scenes. Now, that would be wonderful. But here's the desire. And what Peter had to desire the same for the people there. It's that God would be built in our lives, spiritually. It's, it's Paul who talks about the Christian who is progressing. We're going on unto perfection. We are not perfect, but we're going on unto it. We're seeking perfection. We're seeking to live for God. We're seeking to be used of Him. It's not building our life on anything on this earth, but it's building our life on God. Because He is the living stone. He is the cornerstone. Without Him, nothing else can be properly measured. One of the, uh, one of the structures of today that is said uh, to, be, to have a cornerstone that was used is uh, the, the Great Pyramid. And it's said to still be properly square and everything. Uh, because of that one stone which was used. That's the very idea that Peter brings here. You're here today, you're not a Christian. Maybe you've done as Peter talks about here as some. You've examined, you've looked over, you've considered giving your life to God, but yet you've tossed him aside. The Bible tells us as a result of that choice, you have your appointment. The Bible says we've not condemned ourselves. Uh, God has not condemned us, but we've condemned ourselves. Uh, how? By choosing not to believe upon God. Do you know Christ today? If you were to die today, do you know without any doubt that you would spend eternity with Him in heaven? Or are you constantly wondering, well, I wonder. I wonder if I'll, uh, I'll go to heaven. I wonder if God will allow me in. I tell you today, you can know that for sure. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever, no matter who they are, no matter what they've been through, no matter what their past may be, God does not choose some to come unto him. The Bible tells us we choose whether or not we will receive Christ into our life. God commendeth his love toward us. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I wonder, do you need Christ today? Christian, you know him. Is he precious to you? Is he so precious that you're building your life upon him? With every head bowed and every eye closed.